I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. Yeah, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, all good, Jay. Yep, can hear you uh, nice and clear. How are you doing, David? I'm good, thanks, mate. Good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Thanks nah, for joining. Pleasure. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, we'll. Um, uh, we'll let a few people. We'll give a few more people a chance to yep. get in, um, and then we'll kick off. But how are you doing? You keeping well? Yeah, really good. Just been in the office today, just doing a few bits and pieces. Um, I was obviously lucky enough to go to the behind closed doors friendly against Brighton yesterday, so saw a few interesting things. But yes, all good. Looking forward to the new season starting. Ah, good stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely pick your brains about Brighton. So. Uh... Keep that stuff locked and loaded. I will, I will. How have you been, though? (laughs) Yeah, good, good. Um, Yeah, not too bad. I'm actually on my honeymoon at the moment, so I've got a bit of downtime, so this seems like a good... (laughs) Fair play uh, to you. (laughs) Yeah, the missus is doing some yoga, and I'm chatting. Whereabouts are you on your honeymoon? Uh, So, this group of islands called the Azores Islands. They're off um, Portugal and... Yeah, it's not bad here. It's not bad. But I won't dwell too much about that. I'll, um, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be showing up or anything. <laughs> okay. Um, I might just quickly share a tweet of this out. And then, um, yeah, we'll get on with it if everyone's okay. Yeah, guys, so we'll chat to Jay for a bit, um, introduce him. I guess everyone knows who Jay is, but I will just introduce him. And then um, uh, we'll have a chat and talk about a few things and then try and get some of you involved as well. So, um, put your hands up if you want to take the discussion in any direction or if there's anything you think that we're talking about that's absolute nonsense then just <laughs> yeah let us know and uh, jump in but yeah try and try and get this to be collaborative and um, inclusive and hear a few different views if we have the time okay how many do we have in here can anyone see I can't actually see uh, okay Give it another minute or so and just let um, some others join in. I've got... Okay. Sorry, Jay. No, I was just going to say, I, I did tweet it, but every time I see a trailer for All or Nothing Arsenal, I just cannot wait to see what, what happened in their dressing room on that opening day. <laughs> yeah, um, that's going to be good viewing, it's gonna isn't be, it? It's going to be class. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, to be honest, I was just actually reading the first chapter of Greville's book again, one of the early chapters that was talking about the Arsenal match, and... Um, yeah, just the buzz and the euphoria mm. and whether we can continue on with that this year. But I'm not sure we're going to be so lucky. But OK, I think we've given people enough chance to get in. Some people will join, obviously, as we're going on and um, they're getting back from work and stuff and finding the time to, to jump in. But um, OK, let's get on with it. Jay, do you mind if this is recorded? I'm just going to yeah, record go this for it. if that's OK. Just to see how that works. I haven't done that before. Um
Okay, I'm not going to. I can't figure out how. But um, I think that's a good chance or a good spot for us to to crack on. So, okay, let's go for it. Okay, guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. And um, thanks for Jay for joining at this, um, at these Twitter spaces. So, yeah, we're going to try and do a few of these. I think they're, they're a bit slicker and easier to do and easier to prep for than the podcast. So, yeah, we're going to try and get a few other speakers on and um, some interesting people and, yeah, hopefully get a few people chatting as well. So, Jay, yeah, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Jay is the Brentford beat writer for The Athletic. Um, he's actually, I think, a year into his job now. Yeah, um, so, yeah. The, the official anniversary was yesterday, actually. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, well, it's been a good year for Brentford. Um, it's been a good year for Jay. <laughs> but, yeah, he's been, he's been brilliant, actually, just covering Brentford and giving Brentford the kind of depth and coverage that they deserve. I think years have gone by where Brentford have been spoken about in cliches and just no one's actually really got close and really in the media it's been quite lazy. So it's been really good to see the Athletic just get hold of it and uh, and really give it the depth it deserves. And um, yeah, thanks a lot for your coverage, Jay. It's, um, it's been great and hopefully this season is just as good as uh, last. No, exactly. And yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure covering this club. And like you said, just wanted to make sure that people kind of got to see what kind of happens behind the scenes and get a little bit more in depth and just obviously lazy money ball club cliches and actually find out why they've been so successful over the last decade or so. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. And you've done a really good job. So thanks. And long may it continue. Um, yeah. So these are going to be like pre-season chats We're we're running out of time now before the season kicks off. It's not long at all. Um, uh pre-season's been a bit mixed um it's been up and down i think germany was a bit on the downside i don't think there wasn't a win there wasn't a clean sheet um some of those sides look quite good against brentford surprisingly so i think everyone would have been disappointed with the results if not some of the moments in the games but um with all the, the sort of misery of um, Germany, we've come back and there's actually been two quick wins like straight after each other. So, Jay, you said um, as you joined in, you were lucky enough to be at Brighton, the behind closed doors match. Um, it's actually the first clean sheet since Boreham Wood. <laughs> it feels like a long time ago now. Um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about the game. Was this, um, was this Brighton being Brighton, like sort of really wasteful or was there a, was there a marked improvement in Brentford defensively? I think you should probably start by saying and I know some people would disagree with this, but pre-season is pre-season. And um, I was lucky enough to talk to Thomas Frank after the game yesterday and, and kind of ask him about the time that they all had in Germany. And he felt pretty positive about it. You know, the kind of whole point of pre-season is to work on different things. Of course, he was very openly disappointed um, about the Wolfsburg game in particular and the, the free goals from set pieces. But he was just very happy that he was able to, you know, integrate Keen Lewis Potter, Aaron Hickey, Thomas Strakosha into the team and um, just try different things. But Brighton, Brighton did actually look quite dangerous at times yesterday. I would say they probably played, well, they definitely played a weaker team than Brentford. You had people like Lewis Dunk, uh, Adam Webster, Tarek Lamptey. They were all just watching and sitting in the stands. So they had maybe like more fringe players like Adam Lallana playing, um, although Neil Mope did start. Um I think it was just good to kind of get an idea of what Thomas Frank's going to do with the team this year. He started with a back four and Aaron Hickey was at left back because Rico Henry didn't play yesterday, but I think he did play in the, the game against Arsenal today. Um, so it's good to see Aaron Hickey at left back and then second half, they switched things up and they went to a more traditional 3-5-2 that we saw a lot last season. And then Hickey went left wing back. Um, ben Mee obviously played for the first time. Um I can't say I've watched Burnley a lot in my life, but obviously we all know that Burnley never really hold on to the ball that much. So I was really intrigued to see what he was going to be like passing the ball out from the back. Um, can definitely see it's probably going to take him a little bit of a while to kind of build up a connection with some of the players. But that's only that's only natural. Um, but yeah, really some really interesting things um, to pick up on. Yeah, there's a lot to lot to unpack there. Um the switch of formations is quite interesting. What's mostly interesting, actually, is Brighton playing a weakened team and just having all their big guns <laughs> sat there and uh, <laughs> and lording it over Brentford because it looked like we played quite a strong team, didn't it? Um, yeah, that, that's that's quite fascinating. Uh, the formation switch, yeah, let's let's jump into that a little bit. So, when you're lucky enough to go to behind closed doors games. Um, what you get is you just actually can hear all the coaches, you can hear all the players communicating <laughs> and things stand out. And it's actually Ben Mee's first game. And I, I think for a lot of people, we'd have, people would have just dismissed Burnley as a club we're just not interested in. But 
Ben Mee has been a big part of that, and they've been in the Premier League for a long time without being relegated. Um, what, what, how did he come across to you? Like, I guess things that I'm quite interested in his his sort of presence, his physical presence, how big he looked, how small he looked. Um, was he smaller, quicker? Was he slicker than you'd imagine? How was he with those passing out of the back and across the back line? What, what did you? What did you? Think? I can actually remember um, when the two teams were warming up, seeing this like really light blonde haired blonde haired person warming up for Brentford and thinking, who, who is that? And then it took me 10 seconds. I was like, oh, it's Ben Mee, of course. I'd definitely say he's not as um, as big as I expected, um, but he's definitely got a physical mm. presence, put himself into a few challenges and things like that, which was good to see. I think what probably impressed me the most is that he's clearly going to be a leader at this club and that's something that's you always need strong presences in, in every single dressing room. And I think he'll... He's just another one of those players like like Pontus Janssen, who's great at organising. You know, you heard him talk so many times during the game to Aaron Hickey, to Wissa. He kept just saying, Wiss, Wiss, spin, spin. So <laughs> there's things that they're, they're trying to work on already. Um, definitely not as quick as Ethan Pinnock or Chris Iyer. Um, but again, just someone who, 32 years old, been in the Premier League for a long time. And I think when Iyer and Pinnock are back at full fitness... Me is probably someone who will be a great presence to have in the dressing room and just quite valuable backup. Okay, interesting. So that's how you see him. You don't see him forcing his way into the into the team and actually keeping out like a Pinnock. I don't. I, I don't think so. No, I think Pinnock's got so many different qualities, and one of them is just his his strength. And I think he played in thirty two games last year. I think he only missed the last five, or so maybe thirty two, thirty three. Only obviously missed the last five with a hamstring injury. He was just so consistent. He's so well-versed in how Thomas Frank wants to play. I definitely think he was probably one of the top three or four players at the club last season. And I think that Ben Mee's good, but he's just not... He's probably just a little bit more limited. And then obviously we know how good Chris Iyer is. So the second Chris Iyer's back at full fitness, I think he'll he'll pretty much go into the starting eleven straight away. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just trying to get it out of you that you might suggest <laughs> that me could keep Pinnock out of the team, but um, you didn't bite. Uh, yeah, the, the only weakness I would say Pinnock might have is actually he's quite a quiet player. He's not vocal and he's not a dominant, aggressive guy. Like He's he's always quite measured. He's always in the right place. He's always making those last-ditch tackles and, and he kind of coasts through games, whereas me, I don't think um, there's much coasting going on. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. So he might fill a little void there. That, um, but yeah, it would be it would be crazy to think that um, Meath consistently could keep Pinnock mm. out of the team. I, I think that would be unlikely. That would be unlikely. Yeah, the formation as well. You, you say that I, uh, if he's if he's back fit, just walks into the team. Um, Pinnock as well. Is it going to be a three or is it going to be a four? There seems to be a, a lot of a lot of players here going into not many positions. Yeah, I, again, I asked Thomas that. I said, you know, Thomas, you switched formations a couple of times. Are you still trying to work out the best way to incorporate all the new players and deal with all the injuries? And he just said, look, what I'm probably going to do is exactly what I did towards the end of the season, where depending on the opposition, I'm going to switch up what I'm doing. So I think we should probably expect that against teams who are maybe in the bottom half of the table, Brentford will probably line up with a back four. And I, if everyone's fit, I think we probably expect that to be Rico Henry, Ethan Pinnock, Pontus Janssen or Chris Iyer, depending on a few different factors, I guess, and then Hickey on the right. Um, whereas if it's against, you know, someone at the top of the table or Man City or a Liverpool, it's going to be a back five and you're going to have, yeah, Rico Henry left, Hickey on the right, and then probably Iyer, Pinnock and, and Janssen again as the, the free centre-back. So you, we know this now that Thomas Frank likes being flexible, likes having different options. So he very much wants to to keep doing that and not just have one system that he's kind of like rigidly stuck to. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. See, I think we can get a bit bogged down with this, but I don't think too much changes between the two formations. It's more just how many players we have in, in the final third compared to, and just a little bit of the shape of the team. But I think principally, I don't think too much changes between the two. And that's why he's confident enough to flick, flick back and forth. Um, just back to Brighton quickly though. Um, so, they were, I, th- I think they were the better team yesterday, just having a look at some of the highlights and, and, and Brentford, um, just, just from what I've gathered from it. I haven't been able to watch it back yet. But um, defensively, though, what, what, do, you think there was, do you think there was an improvement in the team then? Was it, was it just that Brighton were wasteful or there was more 
or Brentford actually, because set pieces are something that's just stood out for the whole of pre-season. It's easy to say they don't mean anything because it's pre-season, but something wasn't right in the timing, meeting that first ball and positionally, mm. it just felt off. Did you did you see that gone? In no, no, there were definitely times where, definitely in the first half, where Brighton were the better team. Um, they got a player called Sarmiento on the right wing who was causing people all manner of problems. And there was, there was one point in the game where he kind of, you know, dribbles past Jensen, I think like twice in the matter of a few seconds and, and Jensen just ends up pull, pulling his shirt and putting him down. So never let anyone say that a, a pre-season friendly between Premier League clubs is not competitive because it is. I think what I noticed more yesterday was, you know, Hickey's only 20 years old and there were probably a couple of times he was caught out of position. Um, but I don't want to get into that too much because I also think he was playing on the left, whereas the last couple of games he's been playing on the right. And he was playing with Ben Mee as his left centre-back, who was obviously playing for the first time. And I just think they're tiny little communication errors that when, you're, when you've been at a team for several months and you've got into a rhythm, probably are not going to happen. And then the rest of the team, I guess whenever you're missing a player like Norgard, you're going to have to switch things around in terms of that kind of midfield defensive screen. And Vita pushes up so much that sometimes he doesn't, I think... The difference between Norgard and Jano as the two sixes is that Vita's got such good pressing energy, you kind of want him high up the pitch. Um, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see what he does on the opening day of the season. If Norgard's not fit to start, the kind of midfield free he goes for. Because I definitely think Leicester are there for the taking on the opening day, but you just need to make sure you get that mix right. Yeah, they'll be confident. Yeah, they will be confident that going at them, whatever, whoever's fit and whoever whoever starts... Um, some interesting stuff about Hickey, though. Um, probably a new player's nightmare, especially a defender, is playing with a back two or a back three that just keeps changing. And you're a flexible player yourself, covering both wings. Um, probably not the most ideal start for him, but he looks like a confident boy, and I don't think it will phase him. Um, did you see anything that worried you a little bit? I know you said you didn't want to get into it, but what Brighton are a good team. I think we just need to say that. Their idea of playing is getting the ball out wide and then sucking that, that full back and forward and moving them out of position and then using that space behind and then also passing you to death. So it can be quite frustrating as a fullback to play against. No, nothing worried me. I just think we've obviously all got these uh, massive expectations on Hickey. You know, finally got a, a dedicated right back and, you know, signed him for a lot of money. So we're thinking he's going to come in and, and solve the issue straight away. I think it's more just understanding that he's, you know, been in Italy for two years. He's still a really young player. He's got massive potential, no doubt, doubt about it. But it's just going to take a little bit of time for us to see him in, like, top form. But then there were moments in the game yesterday where, like, he really stood out. You know, there was a couple of times where... Well, I think he really should have scored at one point. The kind of understanding he had with, with Tony, I think that's something that people should definitely get excited about. We know that Ivan likes to drop in and kind of give these fancy flicks and things like that. And there are a couple of times where Hickey was just on the complete same wavelength on him and managed to get in behind Brighton's defence. Um, and then also, because he is two-footed, it's just fascinating to see him cut inside so comfortably. We all love Rico Henry. And we all love Sergi Canos, but they're very, very one-footed players. So they're going to try and go to the go to the byline as much as possible. Whereas Hickey's ability to kind of take a player either way was definitely something I saw bits of yesterday. And I think it's definitely something that will give Brentford, I guess, some different attacking possibilities this season. Yeah, that stood out from some of his footage from Bologna, from the edge of the box, coming from the left onto his right and just bending one with his right. And then same from the other side as well. Both feet, yeah. One of the most, one of the most sort of evenly balanced mm. players knocking around at the moment, and it's really exciting. These at Brentford. Let's just hope that um, he just doesn't get overawed by anything, and um, and uh, yeah, just takes to it as we hope he as we hope he will. Um, Jerry, we did another one. We did a test of these on Monday, and um, I think it was Jamie Court sent a message through about he didn't get time to chat, or I don't think it was working. But he was speaking about Dervasoglu, and we're trying to look for this like this Ericsson player. How, how did he get on during the game with um, sort of linking up with Tony? I know he set him up for the goal. It was just a bit of a miss, a miss kick and then it landed him and he just played it inside quickly. But what, what do you see about him playing off Tony or do you think there's anything there? Was that I mean, Dervis only played for, I think, the last final 15 minutes or so yesterday. So he wasn't really involved too much. Um, but I definitely agree I think he should be given an opportunity this season because his ability to kind of turn away from players is something that 
not that many people in the squad have. And he's definitely a different kind of dribbler to, to Mbumo or Wissa. And I think he's definitely not the kind of creative attacking midfielder that, that, that Ericsson was. But as I think you said, Jamie suggested, there's definitely something interesting there where, where we've got five subs this season, you need people who can do something in a game that's potentially going to go from earning you one point to three points. And I definitely think with his ability on the ball and just his movement, his movement's phenomenal. I definitely can see him being quite a useful impact sub to have this season. Yeah, that's that's that is interesting. I, I think the the thing with him about his last few years is, has he got enough football? Was he going to get enough football at Brentford? Has he been sent out for that reason, or, or was there something else going on with him that um, is a tough place to to stay and develop and, and grow? And he needed to be more where he felt comfortable. As you say, with five subs this year, there could be a lot more game time for him. Um, I think what Jamie was getting at, though, is not thinking of him as like such a forward player, but maybe like in that third midfielder role and just letting him break forward and be a little bit lazier and not do so much work behind. And I, I, I sort of, I, at first, I, I, I screwed my face up a little bit and I was like, that couldn't happen. But then I, I thought about it more. And, and what you want from that position is you want someone who is going to be a bit of a joker, just quality on the ball, can, can get past people, as you say, and do something different and, and maybe just take a shot from range or, or, or play someone in. And maybe he does have some of those qualities. So let's keep an eye out for Devis Oglu. It'd be, it'd be great to see him hang around. I mean, his cycle of what he's been doing for the last few years is just not... It's been a bit weird. He stayed here till as late as possible. Then he's gone out on loan and he's come back and he's gone out on loan again. It doesn't feel great for any player or the club or fans just watching a player um, not treated like that, but um, go down that route. Uh, so, yeah, let's see what happens with Devis Oglu. Um Another thing I wanted to think about uh, just on this list I have written here is you've actually written an interesting piece yourself, Jay. I don't want to big you up too much, <laughs> but um, you've done a really good piece on Justin Cochrane, um, Brentford's new coach. Uh, he's had quite a steep rise. Um, uh-huh. His footballing journey is quite interesting. I don't know if, any, if anyone hasn't read it, you should go and read it. Subscribe to The Athletic and all of that. There's loads of ways you can do it for cheap, whatever, whatever. But uh, the piece itself is really good. Um, maybe we'll share it after this. But um, it just displays uh, his journey to this moment and how he's got here, just actually playing football and then his coaching career. And um, when the news broke that he was joining, it was it was interesting because we we're all trying to think like what what was missing for the coaching staff that they thought they needed to bring in this guy because it's a new it's a new role he wasn't there before so there's definitely something that was missing from the team that they felt they needed to add and uh, just just reading the piece I, I I thought it was in the forward area so if we think about Brentford last season a lot of the attacking was it wasn't improvised but it was very mm. fortunate in that it was there was a lot of counter attacking and there was a lot of ruthless finishing and there was a lot of punishing teams with not many chances and it, it's and at times I did think it was a little bit off the cuff, um, just drawing teams in and then we'd hit on the break. And then you also had the set pieces, which came off a lot and we did well from those too. It seems that there's something in attack that I think they want to home in on and just improve and get better. And maybe that's where Justin comes in with his development of young players and experience. But yeah, Jay, talk to us a little bit about the piece and then whether you think I'm onto something there with him coming in and helping us in the tap. Yeah, sure thing. I think I want to start off by saying, Justin, if you're listening, I'm sorry uh, for what I'm about to say. But I was just I was just really intrigued how someone who had a, you know, a reasonable footballing career, you know, he played at the championship for crew, you know, he'd been at Millwall, but then kind of slid down towards non-league level, how he'd well, he played for Hayes yeah. as well. That's quite illustrious <laughs> as well. For the people listening, knowing Hayes um, as well. I was quite just quite <laughs> quite intrigued how you know he became just one of the most highly rated coaches coaches in the in the country. You know, Gareth Southgate shouted him out a, a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, so he he actually first started coaching when he was about seventeen years old. Just um, he was at QPR's academy, so let's not let's not hate on him too much for that. But he um, helped out with a local grassroots team. And then um, towards the end of his playing career, got back into it, went to Tottenham. He was there for nine years, um, worked with Chris Ramsey, who's obviously at QPR, worked with John McDermott, who's the FA's technical director, came across so many, you know, really talented coaches. And then obviously gone on to work with England under 15s, under 16s, under 17s, um, then went to Manchester United. You look at some of the talent he's helped. He's worked with Noni Madueke, who's at PSV Eindhoven. He's crossed paths with people like Harry Kane, Carl Walker-Peters. So he clearly has 
just this amazing track record of developing young players and helping them, you know, kind of reach that next level. And that's what Brentford's all about, right? I thought it was a really, really clever decision to appoint Justin and Ben Ryan as director of elite performance. For me, that suggests that the club over the last year they've been in the Premier League have kind of looked at all areas where they think they can prove and not just gone, we need to get better on the playing side of things. I think that's a really, that's a sign of a really healthy organisation that they're, they're prepared to kind of look inwards and say, we could do with some better better people in this area. And from from what it seems so far, Justin's definitely kind of kind of leading things with the attackers, which is really intriguing. But I think it can always benefit from just someone coming in with a completely different perspective on things, um, a completely fresh set of ideas. Obviously, Thomas and, and his coaching staff of, you know, Brian Reamer and Kevin O'Connor have, have been on this journey all together for the last three, four years. So they all probably think they all bring different things to the table, but in a way they'll also be very aligned. So to have someone come in and kind of challenge them and offer them a different perspective, I think is really useful. And if you've worked at Man United and you've worked for England, you know, clubs and a team at the top level, you, some of the knowledge and, and things that he's picked up will be invaluable to Brentford. I have no doubt. Yeah, well put. It, it's that um, it's that working with bigger clubs. It's it's that working and having a bigger reputation and coming and bringing that to Brentford. It's it's also to attract players too as well. I think the the young the players that he's worked with, especially in attack that you're talking about, those are. Those are well thought of, highly regarded players, and I think they've had good roots and good development pathways. And if if other players are looking at Brentford and thinking that is actually somewhere where I want to play because Justin's there, it can only benefit us. And that would be a strategic move too. I'm yeah, sure. I think. Um, sorry to just quickly say, but we know at the moment that with the B team project, it's going to become or has become even harder for them to break into the first team. But anybody who follows me knows knows that I go to a lot of B-team games and there's some great talent. We've obviously seen Daniel Oyegok's just gone on loan to MK Dons. Paris Magoma's gone to, to Wimbledon. You know, Matthew Cox has, been, has just signed a new contract with the club. You've got Finn Stevens as well. We obviously know the work Neil McFarlane and Sam Saunders do is amazing anyways. And Justin can kind of just hopefully come in and maybe potentially take those players to another 1%, 2%, 3% so that we can see a few more B-team players kind of crack the first team, maybe not necessarily this season, but in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, also as well, the um, the changing, like how, how successful, how how um, sort of important the B-team will be going forward as, as an academy idea opens up too, so you have a, you'll have probably have an age group below that too. So it will, it will need mm-hmm. deeper thinking about moving players from, 15 for instance to the first team it's, it's it becomes a bigger a bigger beast which needs which needs someone to take hold of it and actually get right in there and um and be that go-to person and yeah he's he's looking looking at his england um his england career he sounds like just the guy um we could talk about justin for a lot more and your piece as well but we won't do too much more of that um let's move on to a couple of guys that are actually going out of the club it sounds like anyway marcus force is one looks like he's almost done with borough um and also salmon godos as well who played yeah, uh, earlier on today i think maybe that was um just to make sure that people knew he was still running and still okay but he might be off to hull as well and i don't i don't think there's going to be anybody in here that says that these two players should not be moved on now but um what do you think about that do you think there's just no room for those are you quite are you quite ready to see those move on i mean saman goddess is an interesting one and i should start by saying i i don't know personally if he is going to hull or not it's something i still need to kind of get some clarification on you know he's got a year left on his contract and he's definitely been a useful player to the club over the last year um I still don't know what his best position is. If anybody does, please tell me. And I, I really don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. We've seen him, I think last season, he played up front in one game, um, left wing, right wing, left wing back, centre mid. And you do just become a jack of all trades. I definitely think he's quite a unique player. Definitely offers something a little bit different. But I think Saman is 28 now. So he kind of needs to look at it from his own perspective and be a little bit selfish and say, I've been at this club for two and a half, three years now. I'm not in the first team. I'm kind of playing in all these different positions. Maybe it's best for me to move on. And then Marcus Force is a 
Marcus Force is a really strange one, and it's something I'm I'm actually, you know, finishing up a kind of longer piece on it at the moment. You know, this time twelve months ago, Marcus was his stock couldn't really have been any higher at the club. He obviously scored that you know that goal against Bournemouth in the in the playoff semi final, which you know everyone will always be indebted to him for and remember him for. But also, I'm pretty certain he played quite well in preseason last year. He took the number nine shirt. Yes, the club signed Johan Visser last summer, but Visser plays more left wing. So it felt like the club were basically saying, Ivan Tony's our first choice striker, Marcus Force is the backup. And it seemed like everything was kind of in place for Marcus Force to not necessarily challenge Ivan for that number one spot, but to be quite a useful option off the bench over the season. And it just never really worked out that way. I think what kind of spoke volumes was when they decided to let him go on loan to Hull in January. They clearly just thought, We've got enough as we've got enough as it is. We can play, you know, Mbumo up front with with Wisser if Ivan's not available. And Clear just decided that maybe he wasn't gonna fulfil his potential in the way that they thought. But he only signed a you know a five and a half year contract in December two thousand and twenty. So in the space of eighteen months, he's had this tremendous high in the playoff semi final. Um, everyone celebrating that you know someone who's come through the B team has had such an impact on the first team to kind of leaving with without little fanfare, never, never got a chance to say goodbye bye to the fans. So it's a strange one, but I think we have to be realistic and say Brentford are trying to, to push to become even better. And if Force hadn't shown that quality in the Premier League, and just, I know he did score a few goals in the Championship, but he didn't play that much. The club have clearly just decided, yep, he's never going to be pushing for us in the next year or two. So it's just, time to cut our losses it, it's sad but it, it does feel like it was a necessary decision to take yeah force I will yeah we'll keep an eye out for your for your piece on him um I think the big signal with force is everything he's doing outside of the box um it's it's not great it's not great to watch I think he's he's a bit of a head down player down blind alley he doesn't know how to link well Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Awkward, uh, awkward playing and linking up with other players. Just that he's, he just looks very limited, and I think they'd have expected a, a lot more development for him quicker. Um, I'm, I'm not sure at all. I, I don't, to be honest, even at championship level, I'm not sure his out-of-the-box game is is good enough. And this might be the last, this this Middlesbrough move might be where p- other people figure that out as well. So I hope it's not the case. And I hope it, something does drop with him and it does click. But yeah, I, I'm not, if you sort of look at the other players that have been signed now, KLP, Keen Lewis Potter, um, Wissa, the quality these guys have got outside of the box and inside of the box is why these are going to be attackers that can probably play in the Premier League. Force is... 
good finishing ability. He's good in front of goal. And in the box, he comes alive and he's probably okay. But that's not really enough in the Premier League. I don't think you can... You, you can't really go through games with a player that's just effective in the box and, and finds himself being sort of drifting in and out of games and not making enough touches mm. and positive influences. So it, it is unfortunate, but I think the team has just moved on too quickly for him and his development hasn't caught up. And it, it just might not. Like, not every player improves and just keeps getting better and better and better. They might hit their ceiling earlier and then just stay at that level, which is, yeah, I mean, we always just want everyone to be the best, but not everyone can be. And uh, it might be it might be that's the case with Marcus Force. Um, be good to get some other guys um, chatting as well. Um, Joe and I have chatted for a bit now. If you want, uh, if you want the conversation to go in a different way, or, or there's anything you want to highlight or ask Jay or myself, um, use the hand up function. Um, give us a shout, and um, yeah, we'll try and get you on. But as I was saying at the, at the outset, there were two wins all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, the Arsenal match was a win as well. Finished two-one. Um, looked like quite, quite a second-string team. Um, Henry played in that. Um, Got to see Strakosha for the first time in goal. Um, Kramer played. Mads Beck played as well. Onyeka got a little run out. I said Godos earlier too. Um, it came away with a 2-1 win, which will be pleasing, um, especially after the Germany, um, the, the losses in Germany. Um, have you heard any feedback from that match, Joe? You weren't at that one, I gather. You were in the office. But have you seen anything that interested you there? No, do you know what? You've just mentioned a player who I think is going to be really interesting to see what happens with him this year. And that's... Frank the Tank on Yeka. Um, I think we can all agree he started the season last year really well. Um, I think he picked up an ankle injury when he went to the Africa Cup of Nations with Nigeria in January. And I think he maybe only played three or four times after that. And I think he's got a real job on his hand to break into the midfield this season. But he's someone who club bought for a fair bit of money, um, came with a decent reputation and he's definitely someone I kind of hope and expect to see a lot more from this year. Yeah, that's a good way to take this. Um, on Yeka, it's, it's, it's that cliche of um, it feels like a new signing. He not really, <laughs> not really made a huge impact last year. Um, and then they had the African Nations. And, and it did feel like a stop-start season, didn't it? And um, I, in my head, I keep toying with the idea that Ericsson's moved on now. But... What, what, how is that quality, how is that consistency going to be filled? And, and is it that spreading it around three or four players who didn't do much last year, Frank Onyeka being one, and Joshua Silva another, Baptiste. Um, Jensen obviously played a lot in the first part of the season, then, then Ericsson probably took his place, and then he came in a little bit afterwards. Can we, consist, can we, can we honestly say that these players are going to come in and, and, and do something this year, which either makes them stay in the team or or we rotate them around and they, they find form and take over Christian Eriksen. What do you think, Jay? The, the massive one there is obviously Josh De Silva. You know, he's, he's basically not played for 18 months, had, had a handful of appearances, had this really nasty hip injury. And we've obviously put like a, a bit of expectation on him to come, to come in this season and kind of, kind of blow the Premier League away. And I spoke to him after the Boreham Wood game, actually, and he's, you know, he went even before the club came back for pre-season. He spent some time out in, in Marbella with like a, a personal trainer doing lots of like individual fitness, co uh, football coaching. So he's so determined to hit the ground running this season and to make a, make a real impact. And something that I definitely saw in the Brighton friendly yesterday was just Josh De Silva and obviously Ivan just have a really good relationship and they can just bring something out on each other. And I think that's going to be really good to see this year. But I do think we we need to remember Josh has been out for such a long period of time. It is going to take him a while to kind of adjust to the Premier League. And I don't think we should expect him to immediately replace Ericsson's contributions, especially because I think we'll see, depending on what's happening in a game, De Silva either play in centre midfield or right wing. Thomas Frank's definitely tr tried Josh in both positions um, in pre-season. And then if we go on to, to Shannon Baptiste and Matthias Jensen, obviously the question mark around Baptiste is always going to be, is he going to be fit enough? Because we've definitely seen there's the potential there for him to be a you know, really, really decent Premier League midfielder. But every time he gets to run a game, he suffers a setback. So I think 
if he ever gets a period of time where he's, you know, stringing a run of consistent games together, I think he'll definitely make some really important contributions to this team. And it's funny on Matthias Jensen because I asked Thomas Frankar, is there anyone who's, you know, you think's had a really standout preseason? And I think the first name he said was was Jensen's, which surprised me a little bit. Jensen only got one assist in the Premier League last year. And I think he himself would admit for someone who's a creative midfielder on set pieces, that's not good enough. And I think, and I hope he can kind of find a new level this season and, and, and really kind of show off what we all know he's capable of. But I'm concerned that if the creativity, if the creative side of Brentford's game relies on him a little bit too much, um, then what you kind of said about the club's, kind of struggling a little bit last season with having fluid attacks might happen um, but it would be interesting to see obviously Keane Lewis Potter coming in and Vissa being fit because there were a lot of times last season Vissa was scoring but he wasn't really 100% fit and he's looked sharp in, sharp in pre-season just having a few different options to utilise players in slightly different ways will hopefully solve some of those kind of like attacking issues that the team had last season Mm, yeah, you, you've subtly taken us on to um, to Matthias Jensen, which <laughs> I think um, has to be has to be discussed. He's just uh, such a divisive player. I think um, we're still waiting for something to happen with him. Um, to me, I, I don't think anything is ever going to happen with him. I think he's yeah, I, I think he's a he's a he's a midfielder who's slightly underpowered and not quite good enough technically to get. As to get where we need to go, basically in this league, I, I just can't. I can't see him ever being quite good enough. And you mentioned creativity, and creativity comes in like different forms. It's not. It's not just like. It's not just sort of crossing or or, or taking corners or getting the ball in the box. It can be done at your feet as well. It can be going past the player. It can be a mm. good pass. It can be defense splitting and and. There's a, there's a bit of a debate about like is he being the most creativity to this team and I, I think if he is then we're in a really difficult place because as you say his 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 output is poor it was low last season um, I don't see anything uh, and with Frank's comments that you mentioned about him saying that he was most impressed by Jensen and, and whether that is to g up the player whether that's to give him some positivity whether he knows there's um there's a confidence thing there or he needs that extra help that's that's what that's how I'd interpret that. But where, yeah, what, what, do you th- do you, what do you think, Jay? There was a poll on B's tactical like not long ago, just asking about where he stands and wh- whether he is, whether he's a, if, if he plays, we're in trouble. If, if he's a good squad member or if he is someone that should be like a starting player in this team, like, where do you see him? I think Jensen, there were definitely times last season where he was doing things on a football pitch that I just thought were really special, whether it was a particular pass he made or, or, or the vision. So it's almost more frustrating in a way because you just see things, you see him pull off things that other players on the pitch don't do. And then for whatever reason, it won't come to, it won't completely pay off. Um, I think Jensen's, you know, a good squad option, but do I think he should be relied upon um, as the kind of, the kind of like main creative midfielder if if Brentford are going to play with three central midfielders next season? I don't think he did enough last year to kind of deserve that spot. But then I guess it's up to him, you know, if the club don't necessarily buy a direct replacement for, for Christian Eriksen, then I guess that does kind of fall on, on Jensen's responsibility to, to say, OK, I'm given, being given another, another shot at this here. OK, my contract runs out in a year and there is an option for an extra year, but I'm, I'm playing for my future. I've got to, got to produce some really good performances. So my feeling is that he, he, he's good to keep around. But I, um, I, I, I hesitate over whether he should be a, a guaranteed starter week in, week out. Yeah, I'm, I'm verging on that. We might be in a bit of trouble if he plays a lot of football, but I won't go too <laughs> far into that. Um, yeah, going back to last season, I, I think you are right. There were some big moments where he did look like he was, he should be playing with even better players. And I think... On the ball, in it, so Brentford played a lot of three-five-two last year. Offensively, the only options you'd have ahead of him would be Mbemo and Tony. So that's just two options. So that's quite a reduced number. If one of them's dropped short or is behind the player, you've just got one ahead of the game. Mm. And then out wide, you've got your two wing backs. So there aren't really he he to me. There was a lot of times where he was doing stuff that no one was there, and it wasn't to anyone. And it was it was just because he felt like that was the right move at the time. And it 
you can see he's trying things and trying to get the, the ball forward and, and get it moving. And that's why he probably puts up better expected numbers in, in creativity than other players. Because he does try things and he's looking for and he's looking for offensive options. But just, there was nothing there to look at. It was, it was quite limited. And then conversely to that, if Brentford are playing a 4-3-3 and he is the third midfielder, um, that's opened us up as a team. We've got three offensive players ahead of him. Um, there's less defenders. The, the midfield is similar, similarly structured, but the team needs to move better because there's hard, it's harder to control the space. So he's, he's a bigger part of the defensive side because we haven't got three centre-backs behind him. So I, I don't think he's good enough to play in a 4-3-3 consistently. And then in a 3-5-2, the options aren't there for him to probably mm. find. Or we're, we're kind of, you see where I'm yeah, going with yeah. this. Mm. Yeah, it'd be good to open up to some other people though. Jay and I have spoken uh, spoken for a while. If you want to, if you want to chat or or put anything forward on Jensen, I know Jensen should get people <laughs> excited. Um, give us a shout. Put your hands up, and you can join in. Um, okay, let's get Joe on. Are you there, Joe? Add as a speaker. Hi, Joe. Is it working? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, yeah. Hi. Yeah, we can hear you clear, Joe. Two quick questions. One, do you have any mm. feel for, or does Jay have any feel for how long Pinnock's out for? And the second one, I've got a lot of friends who keep saying to me, oh, second season syndrome, you'll, oh, you'll probably go down. And I just sort of can't see it. I, their, their argument is that the other teams have worked us out or will work us out. But I just, we're the same as we were this time last year with four editions. And I just can't see... I know I shouldn't say it's I can't it's jinxing it, but I just can't see how we're they're going to be. You know, we're going to be one of the three worst teams. I just can't see it. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry I said that. I'll probably jinxed it. No, it's confidence, <laughs> Joe. It's great. It's great. We need more of that. Um, Jay, do you want to comment on Pinnock? Yeah. Well, thanks obviously for getting involved, Joe. Yeah, Pinnock seems like they're quite reluctant to put a very specific time scale on it but it seems like it's going to be at least two months. So, yeah, shocks and gasps. I know there were a lot of whispers and rumours about three months, um, but the club are pretty much saying it's going to be at least two months. I think if it wasn't a serious injury, I don't think they would have signed Ben Mee. So the fact they've, they have signed Ben Mee should kind of give people an indication that, you know, we, we won't see Pinnock for certainly the first first couple of months of the season, which, which is a worry. Um and then on second season syndrome, it's funny you say this because I've been getting asked this question almost every day, uh, not just by my colleagues, but, you know, anytime I meet someone randomly and I tell them what I do, it's pretty much after the, the dreaded Ericsson question, it's the first thing they say. Um, I always point out on a couple of things. And um, funnily enough, the appointments of Justin Cochrane and, and Ben Ryan are, are normally the first ones. I've obviously already touched on it. I think it's just a really intelligent move by the club to kind of say we can get better in this area. Um, I'm not too sure other clubs would do the same. I think other clubs would maybe, you know, we survived our first season in the Premier League. Let's pat ourselves on the back. We've done, we've done such a great job. Let's keep doing the same thing. I like the fact that the club have clearly said that and admitted that there's things they could have done better. And yeah, like you said, you know, you look at Everton, for example. Everton were far less organised than Brentford last season, had so many off-the-field issues, and now they've sold their best player and not replaced him. Whereas Brentford, you know, keeping Ivan Tony, keeping David Rea, keeping Christopher Iyer, all those players like that are going to be staying at the club. They're not losing any of those key pieces. Ericsson has gone, but Ericsson was always such a, a one-off. I almost feel like you kind of have to compartmentalise it and separate it. And then you're adding... Keen Lewis Potter, England under 21 international, one of the best players or best young players in the championship last year with massive potential to the team, gives, lo gives, gives us loads of different and exciting attacking options. And it's the same with Hickey, 20 years old, scouted by so many different teams across Europe and, and lots of other Premier League clubs. To get them in the building only adds, only adds excitement, really. And then again... The goalkeeping issue was obviously something that was was a big problem when when Raya was out last season. And we've obviously not seen Strakosha play a game yet, and it will probably take him a while to get used to the Premier League. But you've got someone who's you know played played at Lazio, I think, well for quite a few years, got massive experience coming up against big clubs. So I think the club the squad is definitely in a better place than it was a year ago. So I don't. No, I definitely obviously don't agree with the, the whole second season syndrome. There'll probably be periods where 
it's tougher. And we can definitely see, you know, the start with the injuries to Iron Pinnock being tricky. But I still expect the club to be to be pretty safe come the end of the season. Let's again hope we've not jinxed it. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, Jay. Yeah, good um, uh, good direction you've taken this in, actually, Joe. I, I think I'll add as well. So the, the second season syndrome thing is probably another thing we're going to be tarnished with in terms of that that lazy just chucking stuff out there. I think the two big clubs that we talk about recently of having second season syndrome is Sheffield United and Leeds United. So quickly, while it, they suffered that, it's because Sheffield those two teams were quite old. They were old teams, weren't they? Sheffield United had um, a really old team. Their, their first season, they took the league by storm. And then that age group just didn't look good. They didn't revitalise enough. They had Fleck, Norwood, Basham. They were just an old bunch of guys and it just it all came apart. Um, Egan as well at the back. And you could feel that they weren't probably Premier League ready or for the second, like to go again. It's the same with Leeds as well. Bielsa left. Um, they lost Calvin Phillips through the, uh, through the season. That cycle of Bielsa had just been going on for three and a bit years, four years. It just felt tired and it needed freshening up. And then they lost key pivotal players. So for Brentford, it's just that those same rules don't apply. I think if Brentford suffer a second season syndrome, it will, it will probably be because their rivals have improved enough that Brentford actually gets sucked into being one of those bottom teams where we're just not at the moment. So depending on how Fulham have made a lot of signings, Bournemouth look quite strong. Um, it's really going to be probably dependent on how well the other teams perform that we we know our level. So the second season syndrome won't be us just falling away. It will more be about whether the other teams have actually caught up and improved and are good enough to to see us drop away. But yeah, that that's how I see it anyway. Um, it, it just also, if you don't mind, it just, it just seems to me that we're much more like Bournemouth when they came up and Brighton when they came up, who obviously lasted for a decent number of years with that sort of structure and, and looking forward and what have you. Mm. I mean, Jay made a really good point about two new coaches. I mean, that gets overlooked, but that's huge. And it, we just don't look like a Sheffield United or a, a Leeds. And yet people just, as you say, massively lazy about, mm. oh, you know, I mean, at fair dues, I've seen a lot of stuff on, on Twitter and stuff about, you know, people predicting and they, they tend to have us 15th or something. So I think most people think we're not going to go down, but there's still a few lazy people out there. And I, well, it's lazy, basically. Very I think, quick, quickly, I think people forget, I've, I've just kind of like, I, I need to double check it, but Sheffield United, the year they stayed up, had like a dreadful run at the end. So they started the season really well. Then COVID kicked in. And even before COVID kicked in, there are kind of, kind of a few signs that were on a little bit of a wobble and they didn't do that well towards the end. So the kind of signs that all was not quite right um, had already been on show. And yeah, like you said, we all know how well structured the club is. They kind of look at so many different different factors. They would have done forensic analysis. And I just feel like other clubs have been in this position before and immediately almost bitten off more than they can chew. When I'm sure it will come out more in the next couple of week or, weeks or so when, when Thomas Rank has his press conference ahead of the Leicester City game. But when he's been asked so far, about second season syndrome, he's very open about the facts that the club think they can finish anywhere between 7th and 20th. So he's almost saying, <laughs> we don't think we're perfect. We know that it could all go wrong, but we're, we've accepted that. We obviously, we obviously don't want that to happen and when we're preparing so it doesn't happen, but we're not arrogant enough to think that we've already cracked the Premier League code. And again, I just think that's really, really intelligent, critical thinking from, from everybody at the club to kind of have that attitude. Yeah, it's that continuous development, isn't it? Um, we got about we're going into the, like the last ten minutes now. I'm going to bring in Sam, who's uh, who wants to speak. Sam, are you there? Hey guys, you're right. Yeah, good. Thanks. Go ahead. Um, I was just wondering what whether or not there was any kind of talks or there was any potential moves. I haven't seen anything sort of rumoured um, about whether or not we do want another sort of midfielder in that creative role that Ericsson is sort of left in, or if we think that De Silva returning can kind of fill that void because I think he had a bit of a frustrating year last year obviously with the huge injury and then coming back and then immediately being out for another three games with suspension and then being injured again and whilst I think he's a top quality player I do sort of find myself thinking if there is that potential for him to always be injured or from to have occasionally those moments I remember he got sent off against Spurs in the League Cup a couple of years before Um, and whether or not we think that in that situation that we can rely on somebody like Baptiste who I think is a really good player but is always in and out of the team. And Jensen, who I think we've all we've both spoken about at length, and there's nothing I can really add to that. 
So is there a belief that he can? Is there anybody that the club's like allegedly looking at or is the plan to move forward with the midfield that we've got? Jay, do you want to hey, go with that one? Yeah, of course. Hey, Sam, again, thanks for getting involved. Really, really appreciate everyone that's kind of tuned in and, and thrown in a few questions. Um, the honest answer is I don't know any specific targets. I think the club came into this summer transfer window knowing they needed to sort out the kind of goalkeeping situation, um, knowing that they needed to sign a new right back. I mean, that, that Twitter account's cra- cracked me up. Um, and <laughs> obviously, we know that they've been, they've been looking at Keen Lewis Potter for... For years, so I think they were always the priorities. I think they're in a bit of a situation now where they're just kind of going to kind of adapt to the transfer market. So if an opportunity to kind of get a creative midfielder at a decent price comes about, then I think they would jump on it. But what I would say, and I, you know, I'm sure you all agree, I'm always very cautious when Brentford are linked with Mikel Damsgaard, for example, because that's the one who's kind of doing the rounds at the moment. Because people see that he's Danish, they know that Brentford have a Danish connection, and immediately, you know, people kind of get a little bit carried away. So I, I don't know any targets for certain, but I think if the right opportunity came around, then I think they would go for it, yeah. And then on the silver, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier. I do think he's going to be a really, good, really important player for the club this year. I've touched on it as well. His kind of link up with Ivan Tony, I think he brings a different dimension out of the striker. But I think we need to be aware that we can't can't put too much emphasis on him to be this sudden game changer. He's a very, very different player to Christian Eriksen. Josh De Silva's really good in those kind of little moments where he's taking a player on and he's getting to the byline and he's cutting inside. Eriksen's all-round game was just so consistent and he probably took less risks in possession, although he was obviously really creative. Whereas I think Josh is... <laughs> Josh will lose you the ball more and then once in a couple of the games produce like a really stunning moment. That's that's kind of where I put it put it at, if that makes sense, Sam. I hope I answered that question correctly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think as you say, they're they're they are quite dissimilar players and Josh is very good at sort of driving forward and running with the ball, perhaps in a way that Ericsson at his age and his time at the club necessarily wasn't. That's obviously not to say that De Silva's quite at the level of someone like Ericsson. Um I think yeah, the 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 concern, perhaps, for me is just that you can't see a position where we don't play Jan Elt and Norgard because they're both both massive players for us. But Norgard always sits a bit deeper and Jan Elt brings a, an energy to the team. But you wouldn't say that maybe his passing and his distribution is his strongest asset. So there is a, perhaps a concern that that other person, if we play in a 4-3-3, has got to really sort of have that creative spark in a way that when we played the three last year of, sort of Norgard, Jan Elt and Eriksson, it was just perfect. Yeah, it was. It was. Just looking back to Ericsson as well, like his qualities off the ball were just so good that when you lost the ball, he just filtered back into position. Everything was just so natural to him and so easy. And um, if you think about all the other players who we're potentially thinking to replace him, if you add them all in, in together at different times of the season, they all like to vacate their positions. They all like to break forward. They all like to move beyond the ball and get involved in play all over the pitch. None of them are really, none of them really got that that static. Um, that kind of homing pigeon thing where they can just pluck themselves back into position and then get play going again. They're all quite energetic, lively players. And um, Ericsson is, yeah, he, I mean, he is one of a kind. There aren't many of him knocking around. Otherwise, um, lots of clubs would just have them. But yeah, let's move it on because we're running out of time now. Uh, Uzi wanted to speak. Uzi, are you there? Yeah, hi. Th- thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, no problems. Yeah, that you've given me something to listen to on my, on my train home. So thank you very much. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, um, well, two things I actually did want to touch on um, the starting and the running. Um, so I think the first five games are against obviously Leicester, United, Fulham, Everton, and Palace, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I've I had a, had a look at them and I thought to my and I thought to myself, what would be a, a good realistic out of fifteen? What would be a good realistic return? Um, I put. I mean, I'd like to ask you guys what you you would think. I'm probably swaying towards maybe six to nine, if that's if that's realistic. I mean, I don't know what you guys would think. I don't know if you touched on, touched on this already, but um, yeah, I mean, that's just my take. I don't know about you guys. 
Yeah, interesting. I think it's, it's always hard to put points onto those early games because we don't know who's going to be fit for them. We don't know like the other opposition as well. But um, yeah, uh, I think the way Brentford approach stuff and with we all know what Benham can do and his modelling will just look at what game should be as in like what is the predicted scoreline of this game. And I think a lot of these early matches will be, they'll probably come up a lot closer than we than we think. Um I don't think any of them will be like, we're going to lose three or four nil. There'll be tighter games there. There might be a two nil. But if we look how we started last year, I mean, we, we shocked a few teams because we were a bit of an unknown. We're not that unknown this year. And we're going into the early, early phase of the season with potentially serious injury problems at the back and the player that's just coming to the team and not played with us. So it's, it's really difficult to see where any points are coming from. But at the same time, like it's, it's 11 guys out there and 11 v 11. We're going to be set up well. We know how to get through games, and we know how to and we know how to swing games in our favour. So, I don't know. I, I won't put any any points on it from those early games, but <laughs> yeah, until we see who's going to start and who's going to play, it's, it's really hard to, to gauge. Jade, what, what do you think about those early games? Um, hey, Izzy, good to good to hear from you again. I think um, Man United's a free hit. Um, I've I've been reading so much about what's been going on with Eric Ten Hag. I'm kind of really interested to kind of see how that all plays out. Um, but I just feel like they're going to be a com- in a completely different frame of mind. I think they're going to kind of hit the ground running. And I think we need to be very wary that the Manchester United, Brentford played last year that were very sluggish. They had so many problems going on. I just don't, don't we're just not going to come up against that, that Man United. Leicester's an intriguing one because Leicester still have so many quality players obviously beat Brentford twice last year one of if not the only team to do it um, obviously got Madison Vardy don't know if Tielemans is going to stay but again there just seems to be a little bit of discontent around that club at the moment they've still not signed a new player um, Rodgers was getting frustrated towards the end of the season and I almost think playing them away opening game is not bad at all um, I think if we start if Brentford start well in that game, could definitely come away with three points. Fulham, Fulham again. It's a it's a West London derby, first one in the Premier League. Don't know what to expect. I just I just know it's going to be a good game. And then Everton, again, already touched upon. They've not been too good this season, too good last season. Sorry, and sold Richarlison, and it, it's it's kind of tricky to work out what kind of state of play they're in at the moment and then Crystal Palace have been pretty good under Vieira so uh, theoretically I can pro- probably agree saying that 6-9 to nine would be like a, a, a reasonable total but this is football those, those things could could go in, in any any different way so the games I, I don't really expect too much from United but I'd probably say Everton and Fulham are probably the games that maybe Brentford feel like they should they should be coming away with a win there yeah, good stuff, Jay. Uzi, just to round it off, what do you think? How do you feel about those first few games? Uzi, are you there? Sorry, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, got you. All right, bit. cool. Sorry. Um, you know, I think I think it's quite. Um, I would say generous because obviously there's no like easy game in the league, as Jay pretty much touched upon. Um, but I think it's relatively like I'd say it's relatively all right. But uh, what I was going to touch on is actually how volatile that our run it is because I think I believe our last three away games are against Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs and we also have a final well and then we've got to go to Anfield in May as well as a nice easy one against Man City at home on the last day so you just you just like to hope that you know Brentford can like try and you know seal survival as soon as you know as soon as possible yeah the sooner the better but yeah let's get um the Real Betis friendly out of the way before we think about those final few days of the season <laughs> I'm jumping ahead there but yeah great stuff Izzy thanks for thanks for coming on and chatting um, we're going to wrap it up thanks, now, guys, guys because we've, we've done an hour um, Jay yeah brilliant mate thank you very much for joining and thanks for talking um, great insight guys if you don't already follow Jay or don't know who he is I think you should do though but yeah be sure to follow him and um, and uh, chow down on the athletics brilliant content um Jay, you enjoyed that? 
Yeah, no, really loved it. It's the first time I've done anything like this and just wanted to say, you know, really enjoyed it. If it's something that people would be quite interested in, in, in us doing more often, then more than happy to do that. Always like hearing from people and kind of engaging with you all. And obviously, again, been covering Brentford for a year now. Really enjoyed it. Thank you to everyone who's kind of read, followed, interacted with my work in any way, shape or form. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 12 months. And yeah, always appreciate you uh, you supporting me. Yeah, great stuff, Jay. Yeah, long may it continue and yeah, keep up the good work. But um, yeah, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll try and get another one of these, maybe another two before the season starts. Um, so yeah, keep keep tuned in and um, yeah, keep following and uh, you'll see when um, the next ones are scheduled for. But that's it for now, guys. Have a good one and yeah, hopefully bees can um, win their next match. See ya. Bye-bye. See you later. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.